Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Wednesday, March 11th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Writers, Hua Tran Bui. Hey, everyone. And Chris Evangelista. Hello, folks. Uh, Weekend Editor Brad Ullman will be joining us later to talk about the new developments at Disneyland, including the new Avengers uh, campus that is opening up at Disney California Adventure. But before then, we got a bunch of film and TV news to talk about. Let's start with the stuff that broke after we all left left the office yesterday. Some big news. Uh, Dracula is getting rebooted. Chris, tell us about this one. Yes. So uh, after The Invisible Man became a a big hit with both critics and uh, audiences, it looks like more and more classic monsters are are getting their their time to shine again. Uh, So Blumhouse is teaming with um, director Karen Kusama, who directed uh, The Invitation and Destroyer and Jennifer's Body uh, to make a new Dracula. Um, So this is technically only at Blumhouse at the moment. It's not at Universal, but uh, Blumhouse has a, a first look deal with Universal. So it seems very, very likely that this will end up being another Universal movie. Dracula is in the public domain. So any studio can actually make a Dracula movie. But again, you know, Blumhouse just made The Invisible Man with Universal. So it seems very likely that this is going to end up there too. So this is cool. This is really exciting. I mean, you know, Dracula has been told a dozen times over, more than a dozen times. But what really <laughs> excites me about this is Karen Kusama, who I'm a really big fan of. I loved The Invitation. I really loved Destroyer, even though I feel like not a lot of people saw it. Uh, so I, I'm really excited about the idea of her tackling this subject matter. Okay, my question to you is, you know, The Invisible Man was – kind of a modern day uh, reboot like it kind of reimagined the idea of what the invisible man would be in our modern times and this is coming from Blumhouse which typically makes them very low budget movies like what is the highest budget they they make like 10 million 20 million uh, if that i feel like like they they cap off at like 7 million <laughs> that to me kind of signals that this can't be a period setting right no no they actually do say in the report that uh, it is going to be it's set in modern times. That's all we know about it. It's definitely set in modern times, but that's all we know. So, yeah, it is going to be modern day Dracula, which does give me the slightest bit of hesitation just because Dracula always <laughs> seems like, you know, a period story to me. I, you know, there have been modern Draculas, but it just lends itself to that gothic setting. But uh, again, the fact that this is in Karen Kusama's hands uh, has, has me excited. You know, if it was anyone else, I might be a little more uh, cautious, but I, I, I have faith in her uh, abilities. Yeah, I like her a lot, too. I'm just wondering, how do you do a modern day Dracula? Do, do you do it like uh, some people are going in a worldwide trip and they go to, you know, like it, it, it's kind of like, I guess, a hostile kind of take on things where it's uh, about uh, encountering Dracula overseas or is it like America? D- D- Dracula comes to America or like, how do you do this in like a world of twilight? I mean, I, I guess we're, po- <laughs> we're, we're, we're post twilight now, but like, you know, like what, what makes Dracula scary again? I mean, what I would really love, and this is just spitballing, is, you know, Dracula in the novel, in Bram Stoker's novel, is not a romantic figure. You know, that that's a uh, that's an element that the movies added. But in, in the book, Dracula is just like pure evil. In fact, Dracula is not really 
in the book that much. He's like a supporting character. The book, you know, because the book is told through journals and diaries and letters. So it's really all the people hunting Dracula who are the main character. And Dracula is sort of like in the background, uh, you know, of everything. But he's also like not the least bit like romantic or sexy or anything like that in the book. He's, you know, just a monster. And I feel like I've, they, they've never really done that in the movies, you know, ever since Bela Lugosi's thing. I mean, you know, I guess Nosferatu did that, but that's not a 100% straight adaptation of Dracula, but like, because, because of the, you know, the romantic Bela Lugosi uh, adaptation, pretty much every Dracula movie has turned him into this, you know, romantic, sexy figure. And, I don't know. I think it'd be neat to do a version where he's not that at all. But uh, I, you know, that's just me spitballing here. I feel like they're gonna go for some kind of clever, like modern take on things, like they did with Invisible Man. Like, I, I guess the STD angle has already been taken with. Um... It follows. It follows. Yes. Okay. Why was I blank? Well, I guess that's a like a, a very vague title to blank on. But I, I feel like I guess that's probably already done so well in that movie that you couldn't really do that a Dracula take on STDs. Um, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do with this. I, I, you know, I'm in after after Invisible Man, which is a property I was not interested in at all. Like totally becoming one of my favorite movies of this year. I I am totally in. So I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, another story that hit yesterday after we stopped. Uh, we all went home. It was they are they have announced an untitled Spider-Man spinoff in the works. HC, what do we know? Sony has uh, announced a new untitled Spider-Man spinoff that we set in the universe of Spider-Man related titles like Venom and Morbius. Um, and they have tapped a new writer to pen this untitled reboot. Uh, they tapped the Amazing Spider-Man 2 writer, Roberto Orchi? Orchi? Uh, apologies for mispronouncing his name. I, but, I, I think uh, it was Orsi. Is, I, think I, I think that's how you well, pronounce it. Well, I didn't it. pronounce that at all then. <laughs> <laughs> Roberto Orsi, and I apologize. But yes, he has been tapped to pen this movie, which we don't really have any details about. We just know that it is an untitled Spider-Man spinoff film. It's part of Sony's Spider-Man universe. Um, and they have you know, announced a couple of films in development for that universe, which are Spider-Man-related uh, characters like Nightwatch, Silk, uh, Silver and Black, uh, Morbius and Venom, as I said before. Um, so this could potentially be uh, a one that has not yet been announced. Uh, I think that some, there's been some speculation recently that Craven the Hunter has um, been uh, has been speculated theorized to be like yeah. in Spider-Man three, but that's a possibility for this untitled Spider-Man spinoff. But we yes have no idea what it's going to be. I guess this is the uh, on the other hand, like you know, Invisible Man was such a big hit that they're you know the Universal monsters are are a hot thing right now. Spider Man is is kind of big right now, so Sonny is trying to you know make all these Spider Man movies. But at least with the Blumhouse story that we just talked about, there's a good filmmaker at the helm there. Uh, with this, we have Roberto Roberto Orsi, who has been involved in some very bad uh, things. Uh, I guess like Transformers. Uh, what was that? What was that like horror movie from Paramount? Was it Eagle Eye that he did? 
I think. Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah he, he's been in, he's been mostly involved as one of the co-writers in like groups of screenwriters for films like Star Trek, like the Star Trek films, yeah. uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, Star Trek Transformers. Um, he was involved in Star Trek Beyond. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, he was teamed with Alex Kurtzman aliens. for a while there. Mm-hmm, he, yeah. he, uh, he produced the 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 mummy the one and only title in the dark universe so. yeah so there's your dark universe tie-in but yeah he's mostly known for his tv work with like sort of the jj abrams world uh producing fringe and sleepy hollow so he um yeah he's kind of a known for being in those groups this is her this is maybe one of his first sort of solo gigs uh so we'll see how he goes but he does have experience with Spider-Man uh, with The Amazing Spider-Man 2 starring um, <laughs> uh, Andrew Garfield, which, you know, wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. I, and he, I remember he used to be on Twitter uh, and he used to like have this Twitter account w- that looked like like an Alex Jones like fan account. It was just like spewing out all sorts of conspiracy theories. I don't know. Oh, no. Yeah, his involvement in this does not give me any hope. Uh, as much as I am excited about the future of Spider Man, I'm not. I don't think I'm excited about this. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's like a 9 11 truther. I think that was like one of his things. So. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he went offline because so many people were on his case about this but um okay let's talk about uh this morning there was a disney investors conference where they announced a bunch of things we'll get to that in just a bit but uh one thing they they did feel the question on song of the south we've been talking about this for quite some time like will song of the south ever hit disney plus i've been like saying like get leonard malton to do an intro and explain you know give a disclaimer talk about you know why it is bad and what you know give some context uh i was hoping that eventually it would be on the service in that capacity but chris do we know will song of the south ever be on disney plus no it it will not be on there um you know back when back before disney plus launched bob Iger was quoted as saying everything in the disney library was going to be on uh Disney Plus, and that led many people, including us, to wonder, like, does he, you know, does that mean Song of the South is going to be on there, too? And we, you know, that was a that was kind of a big deal because Song of the South has been pretty much buried by Disney due to its uh, racist um, connotations. And, uh, you know, there's there's all sorts of controversy surrounding that. So, uh, you know, we had wondered, you know, will it be on there? And then Disney Plus launched and it wasn't on there Uh, at the same time. Uh, there are other uh, potentially offensive things on Disney Plus, but they come with a little disclaimer now that says, you know, uh, this was made um, at a time and, you know, uh, it contains culture, you know, outdated cultural depictions. But at the same time, you know, that's apparently not a good enough disclaimer for Song of the South, because during today's uh, shareholder meeting, someone actually asked specifically about that movie and Bob Iger said like even with a disclaimer there's probably no way we're ever going to put that on uh disney plus so if if for whatever reason you out there listener were really <laughs> hoping to see song of the south on disney plus it's uh it's not going to happen 
I mean, you could easily find this online somewhere or like if at a comic convention, you usually see people selling bootleg goods. Not that I would recommend buying bootleg uh, goods. Go to the black market and find Song of the South. Yeah. You know, it's not worth it. It's not even a good one. But I just think it's ridiculous that Disney is trying to bury this part of their history, especially since, uh, you know, they have uh, one of their most popular attractions in any of their theme parks is Splash Mountain. And that is in three different theme parks worldwide. I think it came out in the 80s or 90s. So it's like well after, you know, people considered this film to be racist and it was kind of buried within the Disney vault. Um, and, you know, they, they have character meet and greets from that movie. They have, you know, merchandise from that movie. But you can't just you just can't buy the movie. It just seems so weird to me that disney is trying to you know hide this part of their history i i i do think that like you know if you were to release it you have to put some kind of context and you know <laughs> you kind of like have to explain it uh but i don't know it, it just seems weird because there, like you said chris there's a lot worse things i think on available from disney on disney plus so i don't i don't know it just it seems so I- strange I do want to recommend uh, if you want to learn more about sort of the cultural context of Song of the South and why it has so many uh, problematic connotations to check out. You must remember this uh, six part uh, episode on Song of the South. It has a really interesting and really illuminating breakdown on why it was such a controversy, even when it was released and um, how it was even when it hit theaters, uh, was considered outdated at the time. So yeah. uh, check that out. It's a podcast. Um, you must remember this. And um, it's really a fascinating uh, li- listen. Yeah. Uh, We've been talking about a lot recently on the podcast about the coronavirus and how that's kind of shutting down everything. Today we heard that E3 is being shut down. We we haven't yet heard if WonderCon, which is coming in April, is going to get shut down uh, because of concerns of this. But we do know that one of the Disney Plus series, the Marvel, one of the Marvel series, production on that has been shut down. HT, what do we know? Yeah, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Soldier is the latest casualty of the coronavirus outbreak. Um, production for the Disney Plus series has closed down in Prague. It, re- it originally was set to shoot uh, for a week-long shoot in Prague um, after shooting for months in Atlanta, Georgia. But um, that shoot has been halted and everyone has been called back to Atlanta. And it's not known whether the production will return to Prague. But according to reports from Deadline, that is unlikely because uh, Prague has recently closed down its schools and placed its restrictions on events and travel. Yeah. And uh, it seems like (laughs) this is the only beginning. We're going to see a lot more closures and cancellations. So we'll be keeping track of that on the entertainment side of things. Uh, But uh, while we're on Disney Plus, let's talk about uh, another Marvel series, Loki. We we learned some casting today. H.J., tell me about it. Yeah, Richard E. Grant has been cast in Disney Plus's Loki series, which stars Tom Hiddleston reprising his role as the uh, the trickster god who uh, managed to escape in Avengers Endgame. So uh, Richard E. Grant has been cast in the series. Um, this casting was actually first reported by Discussing Film and uh, confirmed by Variety and The Wrap. 
Um, it's not yet known the details of Grant's role, but according to Variety, uh, Richard E. Grant will only appear in a single episode of the series. So we don't know if, as of yet what that role will be, um, and it seems like it won't be very extensive, but uh, considering his past sort of typecasts and recent blockbusters, it's probably going to be another sinister British villain for uh, Tom Hiddleston to glower at. Maybe they'll just like have a glowering match or something. Um, but this is uh, the second Marvel property that he, Grant has appeared and he was in um, James Mangold's Logan as uh, another villain. And he's also worked with Disney before in Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. He is an Oscar nominee, but most importantly, he is a blessing on the internet because he just <laughs> is really excited about things and pure joy to watch. So hopefully, you know, maybe we'll get some Richard E. Grant um, viral videos <laughs> leading up to Loki's release. Yes, uh, we, we can only hope. Okay, so that does it for HT and Chris. I'm going to bring on now Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Yes, and we're, we're going to talk about the Avengers Campus. Uh, they had that Disney Investors Call or Investors Conference, which I talked about earlier in this podcast. And at that conference, they did announce the opening date for this. We, we just knew that it was going to open sometime this summer in Disney California Adventure Park. But, Brad, uh, when is it going to actually open? Right towards the end of the summer on July 18th, 2020. Apparently the coronavirus cannot stop it for now. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. So we've talked about this land. This is the first Marvel-themed land in a Disney theme park, although there's going to be other Avengers campuses worldwide. And we've talked about how there's going to be this interconnected story that connects to the cruise ships, to, uh, you know, Guardians Galaxy, uh, 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 whatever the rewind roller coaster thing is over in, in Epcot to overseas. And um, we've learned a little bit more about it here because they, they did this press day, which we were not invited to. Thanks, Disney. And um, but uh, we did learn that the Marvel because for a while now, uh, Kevin Feige has been talking about this Marvel theme park universe and how it's separate from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And we learned today that basically the events of Endgame and Infinity War set up this universe. Basically, we are we are going to experience the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a different timeline in these theme parks. So some of the events that we know about have happened. Some of them have not. Uh, Iron Man is not dead uh, so th- th- there are differences. Uh, so I guess, Brad, let's start at the beginning. Uh, let's do an overview. What What is the, the Avengers campus and like there's like different neighborhoods and stuff? So uh, there are basically five main areas on Avengers campus. One of them we're already familiar with because it's been up for a while, and that's the Collector's Fortress, which is where the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout ride has been up, the, the made-over Hollywood Tower of Terror. So we already know what that area is like, but there will be some additions over there as part of the growth of Avengers Campus, especially when it comes to the food and stuff like that. Uh, But we'll get to that later. Um, There's also the Spider-Man themed area, which is uh, being called the Worldwide Engineering Brigade, a.k.a. Web. Uh, And that's where what a coincidence that the acronym spells Web when you have Spider-Man involved. I know. It's crazy. Um, And so the. 
the the premise for this area is that uh, basically an old um, automotive warehouse owned by Howard Stark has been turned into this place where young engineers have gotten together and they're trying to figure out ways to show uh, normal people what it's like to have superpowers. And that's where the uh, the first attraction that's opening uh, at Avengers Campus will be, and that's Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. Um, along with that, there's a, will be the uh, Pym Test Kitchen and Tasting Lab, which is uh, taking a cue from Ant-Man, and it'll be the um, mostly a dining and drinking area where people will be able to try out different foods and drinks inspired by the shrinking and growing uh, technology that Hank Pym created for Ant-Man. Uh, and then there's also Doctor Strange's Sanctum, which is the one place where things get a little bit um, mystical and magical. It's not quite as uh, contemporary as the rest of the park is, since um, you know Doctor Strange obviously deals with more of the, the mystical arts and whatnot. Uh, and then, of course, there's Avengers Headquarters, uh, and that's where there'll be uh, live shows, and eventually there will be a second attraction there, but that will not be open once Avengers Campus is open this summer. Yeah, that was teased at D23. is like this very... Like, it really seems like they're taking a page out of the, the opening of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, where they're opening up with one one ride, which is the lesser ride. It's the B attraction. And the, the Quinjet attraction that they're going to open up at Avengers Campus seems like it's like the e-ticket, which is what we, in the theme park business, or in the Disney parks business, call call like, you know, the best, uh, like like a more extensive uh, theme park ride, like a thrill ride, a, you know, it is Rise of the Resistance to, you know, I guess what web is going to be like Smuggler's Run-ish. Uh, let, okay, let's talk about uh, the Web Slinger. I guess it's called Web Slinger, a Spider-Man ride, or what? what is it called? Web Slinger's a Spider-Man adventure. And it's an attraction that uh, takes a cue from uh, the Toy Story uh, Midway Mania attraction. Um, if you haven't ridden that one... It's a, a ride where you're basically in a cart and you have these this um, like launcher that is uh, positioned on your ride cart and you use it to shoot digital projectiles at various uh, targets throughout the ride. So it's, it's basically like a theme park video game. You get points and it's you're shooting around the entire ride and it's a lot of fun. And so this ride is uh, very similar to that. Um, people who are, who are on the ride will be in these carts and basically the story is that there are these spider bots that have gone crazy and you have to help Spider-Man track them down and stop them from wreaking more havoc on the uh, the web base, as it were. And so to do that, you'll be in a car and you'll have 3D glasses, but otherwise you won't need anything else to participate except for your arms. You'll be using your arms to like base, pretend as if you were Spider-Man slinging web you know, with your, that, that signature finger move. And that will be how you activate digital web to shoot out and hit these spider bots. And just like the Toy Story game uh, or ride, you'll get points and that kind of thing. And it, uh, so, yeah, it, it sounds like it could be a lot of fun. See, I'm skeptical of this because, like, anytime a new technology like that where you're using your your actual hands to, to as a gun or to shoot web out of your, out of your wrists, like, it, it seems like it's not going to work well. Like, I worry that it's not going to work well. And also, you know, I like Toy Story Midway uh, Mania. Have you ever played that ride? Have you ever? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've been on it a couple of times. It's fun. Yeah, it, it, it's fun, but it, it definitely feels like an older ride. Like, And it has long lines. Like, people love it because I think, especially in Disneyland, uh, there's a lot of locals here that like going back time and time again and try to up their score because there's a score component, which there will be on this ride as well. Um, but I don't know. I 
I kind of feel like have you ever been to Universal Studios in Orlando? Yes. Brad? Yes. Or no, have, no, not Oh, sorry, sorry. So not not Orlando. No. Orlando. They have a uh, a Spider-Man ride there called The Amazing Spider-Man which I think was uh, designed by Scott Trowbridge, who is the guy that basically oversaw Galaxy's Edge, and it is incredible. It's you—you you are in this ride vehicle. It's the same uh, same technology of the Transformers ride, if you've ever experienced that. And it's a 3D ride where you're going through this adventure and you're encountering all the the spider villains. And in this one. It, it's a little disappointing to me because like you're not encountering, you know, Spider-Man is the one character that has like this, you know, this line of bad guys that are just like so iconic and fun. And in this ride, you're like just encountering like spider bots on the loose. It doesn't sound that exciting to me, but to be, to be fair, maybe there is like an extra villain component that they haven't revealed yet that they're saving for a surprise. Or also I wonder if maybe the, the theme park licensing since Marvel, you know, already had theme park arrangements at places like Universal, maybe they can't use some of those characters on these rides. Yeah, there there is some weird theme park licensing. Like, they aren't allowed to use the word Marvel at all in this Avengers Campus Land, which is why it's called Avengers Campus and not, like, Marvel Land or something like that. Um, okay, uh, we did mention these spider bots. I, I guess you're going to be able to build your own spider bots? So you won't really be building your own. It's not like the Droid Factory at Galaxy's Edge. The the um the battle spider the spider bots that you will be able to buy uh, on Avengers Campus will already come uh, quote battle ready. And what they mean by that is, uh, if you buy these, you'll be able to immediately use them in this mini robot battlefield that will be in the gift shop, where there'll be like a score system uh, that is. Uh, on the robotic motion controls that you use to control your spider bot. Uh, but they are customizable. You can get extra parts and pieces to enhance them and change their design and whatnot. And each of the spider bots has a color scheme and like uh, body design that echoes some of the different Avengers. So like there's a spider bot that uh, has the yellow and black colors of Wasp and has wings on it or it has <laughs> Iron Man's armor colors and stuff like that. But the Wasp one doesn't fly though, right? It would seem not. Because <laughs> that would be cool. Um, it would be. What, what other merchandise? I I was actually surprised to see that they're, they're announcing that they're launching with some exclusive Funko Pops. Yeah, uh, there's going to be some Funko Pops sold on Avengers Campus that are modeled after the way the characters appear in the park. Uh, the one that we can see in our articles, there's a Spider-Man Funko Pop where he's leaping through the air and he's shooting web on a spider bot that is part of the Funko figure. Uh, there's a there's a new Iron Man armor that will have its own Funko Pop as well. So there'll be some interesting crossovers here as far as merchandise is concerned, along with uh, Avengers gear like uh, web shooters that you can actually wear on your uh, hands that you can buy there. And there's plenty of other other uh, merchandise that they haven't revealed just yet that will be available in the uh, the Spider-Man gift shop there. OK, another part of this land is they're going to have a Doctor Strange Sanctum. What is that? Is that like a meet and greet? Is it a show? It's um, kind of both. Like you'll you'll be able to meet and greet Doctor Strange if if he's around there. Um, but it's mostly a magic show that takes place in this uh, sort of outdoor area where these these um, ruins are lying around. And so he'll he'll do magic tricks and he'll uh, it'll be a little bit interactive. They'll bring people up to see if they have you know quote unquote powers and that kind of thing. And then there's also a an interesting nighttime element in over in the Sanctum too, where 
once the sun goes down, the greenery starts to glow, kind of like the plants and wildlife uh, in the Avatar land of Pandora. Huh. And there's um, there's these various, like, they look like orbs almost, I guess, uh, that are hanging from the trees that look like the, they have the same uh, glowing designs as when Doctor Strange does his enchantments and magic. Didn't they say something like it's stuck within time or it's Yes, yeah, so the land itself apparently is is in some kind of time warp, but apparently in this press preview there was no details or anything that indicated how that would be shown. But apparently the Sanctum will have certain interactive elements and magical artifacts that fans will be able to use. I imagine it might be something akin to what they have uh, on Galaxy's Edge with like that game you can play on your app. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully it's better than that because that game on the app is not that good. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's talk about the stunt show because we, you know, it, it has been teased in the Imagineering story and actually a video a long time ago by Imagineering the Stuntronics. It's this new technology that involves uh, animatronics and stunts, and basically they're going to be using this to allow Spider-Man to be flying through the sky above. Uh, Avengers Campus or above the web building. And uh, now we know that this is all part of like some big stunt show. Well, actually, the Spider-Man thing, I think, is just a separate like added detail they have to make it feel like Spider-Man is just swinging around uh, that er area. Yeah, because this stunt show is actually tied to uh, Taskmaster, who is the villain in the upcoming Black Widow movie. And so um, since Avengers headquarters isn't being used. wait, Wait a second. Out of all the villains they could have picked. To to be part of like a stunt show where these Avengers are going to fight them, they pick Taskmaster. Well, if you think about it, they, they kind of have to because if this takes place after the events of Avengers Endgame, oh, it can't be yeah. Thanos. It can't be anyone else who's already been defeated, really. And honestly, for the premise of the stunt show, it kind of makes sense because Taskmaster, for those who don't know, is a villain who is very skilled at mimicking the fighting styles of other people, especially superheroes. So he uses the signature moves of the Avengers against them, making him a very formidable opponent. So for a physical stunt show, seeing somebody fight against the likes of Black Widow, Captain America, Black Panther using their fighting style is something that will be cool to see live. And the show itself will take place... Um, on, I believe on the, I don't know if it's on the roof or just around the surrounding area of Avengers headquarters. Uh, and that's how they'll be utilizing that area until that, that Quinjet ride opens. Wait, who are the heroes that are going to be fighting Taskmaster? Black Widow, Black Panther, and Captain America. Doesn't that seem like a weird trio to choose? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to dismiss any of those characters because those are cool characters, but like, don't people want to see... I don't know, like, okay, I'm, I'm just judging based on box office and how well the, the superhero movies do. I would think people would want to see Iron Man or, you know, Spider-Man or, you know, Captain America. I mean, well, Captain America is part of it. Oh, is so he? Okay, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, it, I, I, think it, I, I think that that's probably mostly because you, it's kind of hard for Taskmaster to mimic the fighting style of Iron Man, since Iron Man's fighting yeah. style is using all of his gadgets and his suit. But with Black plus, it would probably be impossible to like make Iron Man fly in the middle of the sky and right. <laughs> shoot people. Yeah, and, so, and, and Black Widow and Black Panther they have very distinct fighting style, so it's easy to, to you know do that physically, flipping around and and that kind of thing. So I can see why why they're doing that. The Avengers headquarters will uh, also play host to a special Black Panther training uh, experience session kind of thing. 
um, the Dora Milaje, who are the personal bodyguards of the, uh, the King of Wakanda, will be training people and, and anybody who wants to participate uh, to learn how to fight in their uh, their signature style. So adults and kids, any any of them can do it. It's not just one of those standard uh, things that Disneyland usually does where they like pick one kid and one kid gets a cool experience while everybody else looks on. Apparently, a lot of people can do this at the same time. Huh. I wonder how that's going to work because, you know, in the past they've had the Jedi Training Academy, which they got rid of uh, in Disneyland when Galaxy's Edge opened, where, you know, a bunch of kids would be chosen to go up and learn how to fight with lightsabers and then encounter Darth Vader and Darth Maul and some some big baddies. Uh, I'm wondering how this is going to work. I know one of the biggest complaints about that show was adults being like, I wish I could be part of it. So, uh, so it's funny that now this, they can. Yeah, now, now they, they can. can. Yeah, now they can. But now, now they're not going to be encountering like the biggest villains or hero. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm very skeptical. Like wh- the, the choices they're making here. Uh, I love Black Panther, but like, if I was part of a training thing, I would. I think I would want to encounter like the, the biggest heroes, not the, you know, not his, uh, you know, his security guard. I mean. That's fair, but there's also no saying that Black Panther yeah. won't show up during these training sessions. Yeah. So true, true, true. I, I hate to be critical here. But I'm just trying to, to to give you my feelings on all this. Uh, <laughs> an, an, another thing is uh, with Galaxy's Edge. Traditionally, okay, let me let me start over. Traditionally, in Disneyland, when you do a character meet and greet, you go to a location, you wait in the line, and you you have a meet and greet with a character, and you get photos and stuff. And it's it's very standard, very uh, it feels formal in how it's set up. Uh, in Galaxy's Edge, they started a thing where it's a living character initiative where the characters are roaming the land. Like you can meet Ray, Chewie, Vi, uh, Kyle Ren and his stormtroopers. And you'll have like real story based encounters with them. And it's not like you're waiting to just get a photo uh, with the characters. And it seems like they're going to be doing something like that here. Yeah, roughly the same thing. It doesn't seem it's quite as entrenched in an overall narrative like Galaxy's Edges, since they have this whole setup as far as like what the Black Spire is and what people are doing there and that kind of thing. There'll be some of that with uh, Avengers Campus, but it's more so so that the characters themselves are doing more than just standing and taking photos. They'll have little things that they'll do with the people who are in the park. So, for example... Star-Lord um, and Groot will host dance battles on the street. Uh, Thor will be looking around for somebody who's worthy enough to wield Mjolnir. Uh, Iron Man has a new suit of armor that he'll be displaying at Avengers headquarters. And just little little things like that to help make it a little more interesting. If there's anything I'm disappointed with all, all of the stuff that was announced today, they, they have a picture of uh, the characters all together, and I think you have that in your piece here. And... It seems like they are not replacing Captain America and Thor's costumes. It seems like they have the same costumes since, you know, Captain America has his, like, first Avengers costume that has his, like, uh, covering the top part of his head. And Thor still has his helmet on, which we never see him wear. I I wish Disney would update these costumes to uh, be in line with the movies. You know, we we need Fat Thor walking around. That's what we need. I would, I would love to see Fat Thor walking around. In fact, Disney, if you're looking for someone, I will gladly come play the part. (laughs) Yes, uh, yeah, we 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 could, we both could play Fat Thor, and you know what could help with that is the food options in this land. They're gonna have a new restaurant there. It's gonna be the Pim Test Kitchen, which I guess is gonna be a kind of a gastropub of sorts. What do we know about that, Brad? Basically, yeah. So uh, the. 
Pim's test kitchen takes a cue from Ant-Man. It, it will offer foods and drinks that have been uh, messed with, remixed a little bit uh, by the Hank Pym uh, particle technology that allows him to shrink and grow things. Uh, so one thing that you'll find uh, at Pim's test kitchen are foods that are either maybe oddly small or uh, weirdly big. <laughs> um, so like they're, uh, they're, they released part of the menu today and it's actually pretty interesting. Um, what's cool for, uh, for, about the restaurant, first of all, is like they kind of, they have a conveyor belt set up where it's sending through these smaller pretzels and then they turn into bigger uh, Bavarian pretzels that you can like share with your friends and family. And so the whole idea is to like offer a traditional food at a very non-traditional scale. But they also do like um, different things with like combining certain flavors and things like that. Uh, so like, for example, that one of the things they have is uh, called the not so little chicken sandwich. And it's a chicken yeah. sandwich. Wait, where... I, want, I want to ask you about this, Brad, because this chicken sandwich okay. is like when I was imagining when they first announced this at D23, I was imagining like, you know, you, you could get like a bunch of sliders or it would have like this humongous hamburger that hamburger that could only be eaten by like a family of four. Do you know what I mean? Like that. But this yeah. this this chicken sandwich, the the patty or the chicken in it is huge, but the the bun and everything else is small. Yeah, so they've made it so that it's it's kind of a little bit goofy and silly, like almost like they're like like they're experimenting with stuff. So like you said, this with this chicken sandwich, the chicken patty is is massive, and then the bun is just normal normal size, and the the chicken is dressed with these two different sauces, uh, a sweet teriyaki sauce and a slightly spicy chili sauce, along with some pickled cabbage slaw, and it, it looks really good. So I mean, you know, you'll they apparently they encourage you to eat it with your hands, but you'll probably have to use a fork and knife. <laughs> Yeah, I don't understand how you'd even eat this. Like, I think you need to use a fork and knife. Like, you're not going to be able to pick that up by its bun because you can't wrap your hand around the chicken to touch the bun. <laughs> so you you did mention the fact that you thought that there would be, like, a hamburger or something that was big enough that only a family could eat it. They have something that's kind of like that. Uh, they have um, a sandwich that's called a pimmini, you know, like panini. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so it's a it's a salami, ham, provolone, sun dried tomato, mayo, and arugula sandwich on uh, focaccia bread. And so you can get it in like a small normal sandwich slice. It's kind of shaped like a pizza slice in a way. Or you can get it as a much larger panini, which is meant to be a multi portion sandwich that can feed a whole family. Hmm. And, and there's also so gonna... it's close. Oh, it's close. It's close, yeah. It's not not quite what I was looking for. I mentioned the one thing that I'm very excited okay. to try because it sounds absolutely delicious, and it's this. It's called the PB3 Superb Sandwich, which is a grilled sandwich with peanut butter, banana, smoked bacon, and strawberry jelly with a banana smoothie shot and crispy uh, tater tots. And that sounds amazing to me. Wait, it, just it, on the side, it comes with a banana smoothie shot. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, so uh, that, that's. Yeah, I'm excited to try that. Uh, what about the alcohol options? Like, like what, what do pin particles do to alcohol? Uh, so the real thing here is it doesn't really seem like they're doing anything as far as adding pin particles to shrink and grow alco um, alcoholic drinks here, but they're serving them in very scientific kind of ways. Uh, for example, they will have a series of cocktails that are served in uh, PIM Technologies uh, beaker glasses, and they will have like a, a flight of beers that you can try that come in um, tiny steins that sit on a giant ruler. So it's it's stuff like that. One thing that is unique about the alcoholic drinks here, though, is that apparently 
they will have um, some kind of new uh, sophisticated draft system that allows them to pour the beer from the bottom of the glass upwards. Oh, that's interesting. So it looks like the glass is like filling with beer from the bottom up. Yes, exactly. Interesting. Okay. Um, they're, they're also going to have some some food carts here. Uh, it, you know, Avengers ended with that end credit scene with the shawarma, and it looks like one of the food carts is going to offer a shawarma. Yeah, so the, yeah, there will be another food place that you can go outside of Pim's Test Kitchen that is uh, basically a shawarma palace food cart, uh, which takes a cue after the credit scene from the end of Avengers. Um, they'll be offering two items there since it's, since it's just a cart. So you can get um, a, a classic shawarma spiced chicken, or you can get the Impossible Victory falafel there. Hmm. Which one do you think Captain America ate? It's a good question. I, I feel like he's it's he's a New York guy, so he's got to go with New York's tastiest. <laughs> yes. Okay, uh, and there's one last thing. They're, they're they're adding some food over to the Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout area. Yeah, they're they're offering what are being called uh, Terran treats. Terran being the name that refers to uh, people from Earth in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, one of them is called a Cosmic Cream Orb, and it is a cream puff where the outside of it is made to look like the orb that contains the purple Power Stone in Guardians of the Galaxy, and it is filled with a raspberry cheesecake mousse which is made to be uh, a dark purple. And it looks very otherworldly. It looks like something that I would have thought we would have seen at Galaxy's Edge at some point. Hmm. Yeah, no, it looks good. Uh, I'm excited for all this. There's another thing you want to talk about? Oh, yeah. So they're also having these uh, sweet spiral ration churros, which are just um, swirled churros that are all different colors and different flavors. Uh, They didn't say which flavors specifically, but apparently... The colors won't necessarily correspond to the flavors, and the flavors and colors will be rotating all the time. So you'll um, you'll have to see what they have in stock whenever you go to try one of them. Interesting. Well, I'm excited to eat all these things, experience all these things, and uh, even though we have spent, I think, almost like 30 minutes talking about Avengers Campus on this podcast, there's a lot that we didn't even get to. So if you want to check out Brad's piece, pieces, they'll be linked in the show notes. Uh, there's two of them. So check those out. Uh, Slash Film Daily is published every weekday on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at com, And rate and read this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we will see you tomorrow.